Welcome to the Reliance Community Podcast. Worship with us on Sunday mornings at 9 o'clock or 1045 a.m. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. Amen. So, first of all, if you are a visitor today, we are excited you're here. I feel like uh, 1045 continues to get bigger and bigger. So, um, if we have never met you, um, pastors or, or leaders or anything like that, just find us after service because we want to know you, all right? And uh, so, if you're a visitor today, so good to have you guys here. Uh, we call ourselves a family. That's what we do um, is we do family things together. So, by default, you're part of that family. If you're regular, it's always good to be with you. Um, we, we do. We want to, um, we, we, we really are hitting this hard. So our language is this every week. So you may get tired of hearing it, but we're still going to do it. And that is what happens here on a Sunday morning, this experience right here at 1045 or 9 o'clock, this is what we call an equipping time where our goal is for you just to come in, be encouraged with the Word of God, be equipped, maybe stirred with the Word of God. Let that equipping do something in your life so that transformation happens. But um, really, our, it's not our end game. Like, packing this place out, it's not our end game, all right? We love that the body comes together. It's what uh, Christ has called us to do, assemble together. But really, what we desire is for you to plug into a life group or a home group or a Bible study. And, and here's why. Because... If you're plugged in with six or seven or eight or ten other families, they're going to know what's going on in your world. You're going to know what's going on in them, and, and you're going to be able to walk through life better together. Amen, church? And, and, and so our goal is that you plug in so that you can walk through life. And we've got life groups that have gone on for years, and we've got short-term ones that are eight weeks, ten weeks, twelve weeks. And so um, just find something that fits you and your family right now or, or individually, but plug in because we want to do life with you. We want to equip you on Sunday mornings and then send you out Monday through Saturday where you're doing life with other people. Yeah, yeah? Good? All right? Amen? All right. So um, with that said, we are, if, you, if you're this first time here, we've been in a series going through the book of Galatians, and uh, we are on week 10. I feel like we need balloons and confetti because today is the last day, all right? And I feel like there should have been like a release of balloons and confetti cannons that just shot over you guys. We started Galatians in May, and we've worked through it all summer long. If you are brand new to the faith and you've been coming since May, you probably think Galatians is the only book in the Bible, all right? It is not. Um, and so we're going to branch out from that. But I hope it's been fruitful to you guys. It's been fruitful to us. And so that's really where we're at. So today, we are going to focus on the harvest. Everybody say harvest. We're going to focus on we harvest what we plant or as scripture says, we reap what we sow. Any farm boys, girls out there, anybody grow up on the farm? Any farmers, all right? Some of you guys are like, yeah, kind of, right? Um, so you're going to resonate with this, all right? You're going to resonate with this because it's all about reaping um, what we've been sowing in, in our life. And so um, let me just start with this. Um, I'm coaching uh, football again. Uh, my son Tyson went through. Now I'm back down to third grade football again, all right? And let me just tell you, it is madness, all right? Uh, third grade football is one of those things where you, you, you really have to love it. I'm just saying. You just really have to love it. And uh, so for like the last three or four weeks, uh, the coaches and I, have, we've all been like trying to sow into these kids principles of football. So we've been teaching them their, trying to teach them their positions. We've been sowing into them like what gaps to hit and, and, and how to tackle and all those things. And, and so we have been feeling really good for the last three or four weeks until yesterday we had our first live scrimmage, all right? And a scrimmage shows you 
just what you know and what you don't know. And so I was really, really pumped up, and they did a good job, but, but you get into a real scenario, and you begin to see if what you've sown into these kids has really played out, right? And, and so um, all week long, we've been pushing, pushing, pushing into them all these different principles, and I'm a pretty intense guy. I've got essentially one level. I don't care what age you are, and that's loud, all right? And so these third graders that are just kind of running around, I'm like, do you not know your assignment? You know, and I love on them too. I'm like, good job, buddy, right? But I'm like, do you not know your assignment? You've got to hit that gap. You've got to tackle. And one of the boys looks at me and goes, oh, coach, I don't even know what offense and defense is. I'm like, boy, we've been doing this for four weeks. And I go up to another kid and I'm, you know, he did something. And I'm like, do you not know what you're doing? And, and he's like, coach, am I tackling or am I getting the ball? And I'm like, you're on the sideline right now. You're getting nothing, right? Nothing. Get off. Get off the field, right? And, and so I realized something in that moment. We taught them. We sewed into them fundamentals of, of tackling and, and what gaps to hit and, and, and position. But we didn't teach them the fundamental of offense and defense, apparently. And so it broke my heart a little bit. But I'll tell you something, it showed me something as we talk about today, and you're going to see this. Sometimes we think that we're teaching all the right things and doing all the right things, but if we don't have the fundamentals down of the simplest, most basic things, we can't go forward. Amen? Amen? We can't go forward. And so this morning, as we get ready to talk about this identity in Galatians, we're going to finish up. We've been working through this. The very end of Galatians chapter 6, it's all about what you sow is what you'll reap. What you plant is what you'll harvest. It's one of the most simplistic things about the gospel message. And the problem is, is that sometimes we're always looking for the big things of God. And I want those. I want you to know that. I want the big things of God, man. I want to chase after the miracles. I want, to, I, I want to chase after the miracle worker, amen, and let the miracles come. I want the big things of God, but sometimes the most simplistic things in our Christian faith we simply bypass, and that is the seeds that we plant on a daily basis will grow up into something in our life. And, and, and so I'm all for it. Let's go after the big things. Let's dream big. I want that. We're doing that. You're going to hear about those things. But before we chase after the big things, let's get some foundational principles just straight up. The things that make the foundation in our life, and that is what we plant is what we'll harvest. What we sow is what we'll reap. Amen, church? So you guys have your Bibles. We're going to talk about this fundamental. Fundamentals are important. We're going to talk about one of the biggest fundamentals, I believe, in Scripture that we need to have as believers. And it, and it comes from Galatians chapter 6. It'll be up there on the screen. Um, actually, before we get there, go over the first slide, Clint. If you're just joining us, I want to show this one more time. This is the whole of Galatians. You guys have seen this um, probably 8, 10, 12 times, whatever it's been. And um, the whole of Galatians is that we're trying to get to the middle. Liberty is freedom. Freedom is in the spirit. Freedom comes from faith in God because of his grace. Amen? That's freedom. We don't earn that. You can't do anything for it. You're simply by default coming into Jesus Christ. That's where you land. Here's the problem. The problem is we slip to one side and it's called legalism. It's the do's and the don'ts where you grow up and you believe that your whole basis of faith is all about do this, do this, do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, and you never learn about intimacy with Jesus. 
So the love affair that you have with God is if you're good enough. And that's no love affair at all. Amen? So the love affair that you have with God is if you're good enough or if God looks at you in a good light. And I just wanted to just, just cast that out, dispel that out of this room, that you'll, you'll, you'll never be, I'll never be good enough. Jesus was good enough for us, which is why we get freedom through sonship and our faith in Jesus Christ because of his grace. So when we slip down into legalism, do this, don't do this, we slip down into what we call religion. You guys have grown up around it probably, where in religion, it's all about based on what I do. And when you do that, you're locked into bars because now you're back under the law. And when you're back under the law, you're back under the wrath of God. Now, on the other side of that, you've got the flesh. You guys have seen that, right? It's all about license, freedom, whatever I want to do, anything that I want to do, desires, pleasures, what makes me happy, I can do that because of the grace of God, it covers me. So it doesn't matter if it's sin, doesn't matter if it's not what the Bible says, I can do it because somehow this grace of God covers me anyways. And when we fall down into that, we live in the flesh, and when we fall into the flesh, we live in the wrath of God. Why? Because sin has a penalty. Amen? The wages of sin is what? Death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. So once again, freedom comes through Christ in the middle there. We can't get it ourselves. We can't earn it. So we've got to find ourselves in the middle. So let's go back to Galatians chapter 6, starting with verse 7. Holy smokes, we're going to run out of time. Um, Galatians 6, 7 through 10. Do not be deceived. Somebody say deceived. deceived. Underline that. Anytime you see deception. In your Bibles, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. Most of us go, we, we get that, right? God cannot be mocked. A man will reap what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the spirit from the spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, listen to this, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. That's the challenge. We do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Let me just sum that up in a couple of words. What we do matters. On a daily basis, church, listen, what we do matters. And so it's all about this identity of sowing and reaping. What are we harvesting? It's one of the most fundamental principles that God lays out in God's economics. You read it through the Old Testament. You read it through the New Testament. Because in these days when they were talking about it, agriculture was big. Farmers were all over the place. They resonated with this. And this whole principle is based on this law of sowing and reaping. This law is really just a kingdom principle, which consequently governs us both physically and spiritually. This is why Paul opens up with, do not be deceived. He opens up with a warning. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Let me tell you why he says that. Because in this word, God cannot be mocked, what he's saying is that sometimes we have a tendency to turn our nose up to God and somehow think that we're going to outwit God. We're going to outsmart God. Sometimes we have a tendency to go, I know that I've been lying, I know that I've been cheating, I know that I've been doing these things, God will never know, all right? So Paul's like, do not be deceived, you can't mock God. Whatever you sow, there, that you will reap. He's saying it's a principle, it's a kingdom principle that you can't get around. You cannot mock God in this, you cannot turn your nose up to God in this, you cannot outwit God in this, you can't outsmart God in this. It's a, it's a kingdom principle that everyone will live by. And so he says, do not be deceived. It's important that we get that. This idea of God being mocked, 
This idea that this spiritual principle does not apply to you. So Paul is saying, look, don't deceive yourselves. And so I want you to get that down because I'm going to give you four principles of what a spiritual harvest looks like when we talk about sowing and reaping. Okay? Four principles when it comes to the harvest. Number one, real quickly, we reap only what has been sown. We reap only what has been sown. In other words, we harvest only what has been planted. Let me make this easier to understand. If I go out in a field and I plant wheat, I should not expect to go out there and harvest corn. Do I hear an amen? So if I'm bags of seed with wheat in it and I'm spreading wheat all over the place and the whole time I'm going, wheat, 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 man, I'm really hungry for corn. I'm not getting corn, right? And it's the same thing when it comes to our life in Christ. If I'm out there saying, man, I feel like I'm just not hitting the mark. I feel like I'm just not making it. I feel like I'm really struggling. Why do I have this happen? Why do I have this happen? It may be that we're sowing the wrong seeds if we're looking for a different result. So the seeds that we need to be sowing are the seeds that we want to see in our life. If I'm sick and tired of bitterness, I better stop sowing the seed of bitterness. If I'm sick and tired of hate, I better stop sowing the seed of hate. If I'm tired of people talking about me, I better stop sowing the seed of gossip. It's time to change the little things that we do in our daily life if we want to see a different result in our life. Amen, church. James, or I'm sorry. And so this idea of reaping only what, what, what we've planted is the same spiritual principle on our life as well. And it starts in the heart. Everything, it starts in the heart. Everything in Scripture says there's something that's birthing forth in your heart. Look, look what Jesus says in Luke 6, 45. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good what? Heart. An evil person produces evil things from the treasury, now that's an important word, a treasury is where you store things up, a treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what is in your heart, or if you've heard it before, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks, right? Your actions, everything begins right here in the heart. And here's the thing, you will only get out of your heart what you put into it. You will only get out what you put into it. So, so when we sow into our hearts, how we talk, how we live, how we think, our attitudes and behaviors are going to come out from whatever it is that we put in our hearts. So what we watch matters. What we listen to matters. The way that we talk matters. Amen, church. The way that we talk around the water cooler at work matters. Come on now. So, so it's important to know what kind of seeds that we want to begin to plant. Our attitudes, our actions, our words, our seeds that we're sowing on a daily basis to see what kind of harvest that we're going to produce in our life. And let me just tell you something right now. If this principle of sowing and reaping is a principle of God, you better believe the enemy's going to take it and manipulate it. So he's going to take it and he's going to manipulate it. Let me tell you what he's going to do. The enemy loves to keep us busy self-thinking about our own selfish things that I've got to plant seeds for myself if I'm going to make it in the world, right? I've got to look out for number who? One. So I'm going to plant seeds selfishly. I'm going to sow words that cut. You cut me, I'm going to cut you. I'm going to sow words that cut. You think negative about me, I'm going to think negative about you. I'm going to think negative about my boss and my coworkers. The enemy wants us to sow bad seeds in every single relationship and circumstance. And we've got to get new bags of seeds. You're tired of bitterness. You're tired of anger. You're tired of unforgiveness. Get rid of it. You're tired of, listen, listen, I'm going to talk to married couples for just a minute. You want a better marriage? Stop sowing seeds of bitterness in your marriage. You know we do it. You know we do it. 
You, you, you want something to change in your life, ask yourself, what seeds am I sowing on a daily basis? All right, we'll beat that down. So, listen, so the question becomes, are you reaping blessings or weeds? Look what Ephesians 5, 15 says. So be careful how you live. Another warning. Be careful how you live. Don't live like fools. Somebody say fools. But like those who are wise, make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand. You see, there's a big difference. He's making a differentiation that some of us are going to act thoughtlessly. We're just going to scatter things. Doesn't matter what it is. If it hurts you, it hurts you. It doesn't really matter. Some of us are going to understand what's going on. And he's trying to get us to understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, Paul's already addressed that. He said, look, don't even take a step without the Spirit in Galatians 5, right? He says, before you move, make sure the Holy Spirit's leading the way. And so he's addressing that again in Ephesians. So we can plant thoughtlessly seeds. We can sow thoughtlessly seeds, or we can plant intentionally. We can sow intentionally seeds. But whatever it is that we sow, we will reap. We will reap. We cannot sow, listen to this, church. We cannot sow disunity and think that we're going to reap unity. I don't understand why we're not unified. I can't stand that church down the street, right? I can't, I can't understand why we're not unified. I can't stand my neighbor, right? We're sowing seeds of disunity and thinking we're going to get something else out of it. We cannot sow lies and reap the truth. I know it's just a little white lie. I tell them from time to time, but man, if I don't, I'm going to get in trouble, right? And so we sow these little lies thinking it's not going to hurt anybody. There's nobody going to find out about it. They're just little tiny lies. And yet at the end of the day, I'm going to reap that. I'm wondering why nobody believes me. I'm wondering why my wife doesn't want to believe me. Or my husband doesn't want to believe me. Or my kids don't want to believe me. Or my coworkers don't want to believe me. Why am I not a trustworthy person? What are you sowing? What are you sowing? We cannot sow sin and think we're going to reap holiness. We can't. This is why Paul says, whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the spirit from the spirit will reap eternal life. If we sow indifference to God and the spiritual things of God and his values and, our prior and his priorities, we will reap the fruit of indifference, which is hardness of heart, which is greediness, which is frustration, church. Let me just share what this looks like from a practical stance real quickly. Uh, I'll use Hollywood as an example because we can pick on Hollywood, right? Anybody offended by that? Doesn't matter. Okay, let's do it. So, so this was a year where high-profile executives and actors and producers, I mean, you saw it, politicians, all of those guys. This was a year where they absolutely got blasted. We started a movement, the Me Too movement, where they found that these guys were really sexual predators. Right? These politicians, these actors, these producers, these whoever, these high-profile guys, they were, they were really sexual predators believing to be above the law when it came to their approach of women. And it shouldn't have really surprised us. This is, this is where I pull this in. This is where the practical application comes in. It should not have surprised us because we've sowed a sex-saturated culture into our culture. We, we've sewed it in. We've sex-saturated our culture where pornography rules, and it's okay to do it, and don't worry about it, and we sell it, and we'll put it on billboards, we'll put it on TV, we'll even put it on prime TV so that people can see it, and then we wonder why people act out, because we're sowing seeds of a sexual predator kind of mentality out there, and it's not right, but we're sowing those seeds, 
And I'm not just camping out on Hollywood. Let's bring it home now. I'm just not camping out on Hollywood. This is around us. We've minimalized this in everyday life with shows that we watch or, or, or things that we've sewed into or things that we've seen. And what, what we expect is that somehow we'll get a different result. Why are our young boys not treating women better? Or why are, are these men doing the things? that We're sewing into those things. You know, they're talking statistically that, that six, seven, eight, nine-year-olds are seeing their first things in pornography. And I'm sitting there going, man, we're sewing into this. And then we think that we're going to change our culture, but we're reaping what we've sowed. So what I see in particular for me in, in ministry is I get to see all these young married couples and, and what they're struggling with is intimacy, true intimacy. Because their whole life they've grown up in a sex-saturated culture and so they have no idea what true intimacy looks like. Why? Because they're reaping what's been sowed. You see, your seeds don't just affect you, your seeds affect people around you too. Amen? Come on now. Your seeds affect people around you, too. We've got to change that. Our goal, church, listen, goal of the church is to change culture, not be in culture. We change it. We change the atmospheres. How do we change it? Not by going, you better turn or burn, right? We don't change culture that way. We change culture by going, the love of God compels me, and he loves you with an all-out love that you'll never, ever, ever find anywhere else. Amen? This is how we change culture. So this is why this is such a big deal, because we're sowing in and we're reaping what we've been sowed into. We can make a choice today, today, to sow love and forgiveness and kindness and patience into every relationship and situation. We can make that choice today. Or we can make the choice today where we're going to continue to be angry and unforgiveness. And, and I'm going to sow that seed of you cut me, I'll cut you. We can continue to do that. But if we do that, just know this, whatever seed you put into the ground is going to harvest. You're going to grow it. It will grow up. And when it grows up, it will produce something. Amen? Number two principle, real quickly. We reap later. We reap later what we sow. We reap later what's been sown. Let me tell you what I mean by that. The law of the harvest says this. We sow in one season, we reap in another season. There's no harvest that's ever come the moment that the seed was planted. You'll never see a farmer go through and use his cedar and plant his crop and then come with his combine an hour later, all right? That would be madness. Any farmers in the room? Stupid, right? You'll never see that happen. Why? Because the seed is now in the ground. It's not yet been given the proper time to grow. You see, this, this is a big principle for us because Paul tells us in verse 9, let us not become what? Somebody say weary. Weary in doing good. For at the proper, somebody say time. Time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. See, there's a season of time where the hardest part of this harvest, reaping and sowing and growing some, the hardest part of this thing is being patient and waiting on the Lord. The hardest part is being patient and waiting on the Lord. And, and I just want you to know, there's a negative side effect to this too. Sometimes what happens, especially to young people, is that we're sowing seeds of, I know I lied to my parents, but it's not going to catch up with, they don't, they don't know, right? I know that they don't think I'm sneaking out. Or, or, or for some of us adults, like sometimes we're like, I know I'm doing this, I shouldn't be doing this. I know I'm not really working hard, but, but, but nobody's going to find out. And all of a sudden what happens is given time for that thing to grow, you will always be found out. <laughs> you will always be found out. You're not hot. Do not be deceived. You can't mock God. Like, he's, he's going to bring it to fruition. But there's another side of that, too. And on the good side, here's the problem. As I 
I, I sometimes think we just simply think that none of the good things that I'm doing are paying off. I hear this all the time. Lord, I am trying. God, I'm trying. I've been in your word. You know I've been in your word. I mean, this year, I was in your word all the time. God, you know I'm praying. This was a season where I was digging in, and I was praying, and, 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 and I've tried to walk the right path, and all those things. I've been planting seeds when I wanted to plant something else, right? Like, I wanted to cut them bad, cut them bad, right? But I planted. You said love. I loved them, right? You, you told me to forgive them. I forgave them. You told me to water. I've been planting these seeds, but God, I'm not seeing anything. Let me just tell you something. There's a growing season, and that will grow up for your benefit. But there's a time. There's a time for that seed to take to grow. We don't typically like to wait on the Lord. Psalm 135 says, I wait for the Lord. My whole being waits. And in his word, I put my some are deceived, church, because their present seed, whatever it is that you've been planting, does not appear to be producing an immediate crop. And I'm going to tell you right now, some crops take a lot longer to grow. Amen? Some crops take a lot longer to grow. One of my, um, one of my favorite stories I, I, I feel like is from the book of, uh, well, it's about the story of Joseph, Okay. And the and, and story of Joseph, if you remember the story of Joseph, is a really cool thing because Joseph's one of those guys that you just have to, you have to read the story. He's a guy where he had all these brothers, and, and God kind of gives Joseph a, a vision, a dream. It's a really cool vision, a dream. All Joseph was guilty of was that he went and he shared it with his brothers. like, look, God showed me a vision. You guys are going to bow down to me. Isn't that awesome? Right? That didn't go well. And so... His brother's ticked off, they throw him, you guys know, they throw him in the well and think that he's dead. And he's like, oh no, he's yelling out of the well, he's not dead, let's sell him into slavery. And so they sold him into slavery. And so 13 years have gone by. And during these 13 years, Joseph's like, God, you gave me this vision, I'm going to continue to sow seeds of the vision that you gave me. So he's, he's got high esteem with this guy named Potiphar, and then he's falsely accused, they lie about him. He's like, really? And then all of a sudden, you know, he's, he's, he's put in uh, uh, other positions where he's falsely accused and they throw him into prison. And so just time after time, he's like, God, I am sowing seeds that you tell me. I'm loving people. I'm trying to stay faithful despite my circumstances. I'm sowing these seeds. And what I love about the story of Joseph is that Joseph knew what it felt like to not know resolution, not see true justice, not see his life in the bloom that he had envisioned. But I heard this quote, you don't have to be blooming to be growing so don't give up. Ann Voskamp said, you don't have to be blooming to be growing, meaning that a flower is still a flower even when it's just a green shoot. Amen, church. One day it'll bloom. One day it'll finish its work, but you can still be growing in that moment. And what I love about the story of Joseph is that despite everything that he had gone through, you would think that every day he would have been cursing his brothers. Every day he would have been like, you put me here. You did this to me. You made me leave my family. You sold me into slavery. You made me live in this dungeon. 22 years later, you would think that bitterness had just raged in his life. Bitterness, hatred, anger had just raged in his life. He had been planting seeds like crazy. And he gets established to the second in charge over all of Egypt. You know the story. And here's what he says in Genesis 50, 20 to his brothers when he saw them. You intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. He didn't give up. He didn't let a circumstance beat him down. 
He didn't let what his brothers did or what they said or what they thought build up rage and bitterness. He didn't plant seeds of dissent, revenge, I'm going to get you back. He planted seeds of love, compassion, faithfulness. He invited his whole family to come and live in the palace with him. Why? Because Joseph knew that everything that he planted one day he would reap. Real quickly, the third principle. We reap more than we sow. I'm just going to throw this out real quick. The harvest is always greater than the one seed that we plant in the ground. Amen? Makes sense. You, you plant seeds in the ground and no farmer goes, I planted the seed, I harvest the seed. I plant it, it would be fruitless. So you plant the seeds in the ground and those seeds come up out of the ground and they produce something 10, 30, 60, 80, 100 fold what you put in the ground. If you're planting bitterness and you're planting anger and you're planting, planting hatred and you're planting gossip and you're planting lies and you're planting deceit and that's what your seeds are and you're planting those things and I'm talking on a daily basis. Listen to this church. These are daily things. This is why it's a fundamental in the Christian life. If we're planting these seeds, I don't care what I watch, I don't care what I listen to, whatever comes in doesn't really matter, doesn't affect me. If these are the things that we're planting in our life, then what's going to spring up is a lot of things in your life that you're going to have to contend against. A lot of things in your life that you're going, why? Why does my life feel this way? Why do I feel guilty and shameful? Why this? Why, this? why are they angry? Because we planted these seeds and we thought, it's not a big deal, not a big deal, not a big deal. Now, on the second part of that, if we plant seeds of that love and compassion and, and mercy and grace and the fruit, fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control, we plant those things. What's going to spring up from that is a lot of people loving back on you, is a lot of people showing compassion back on you. And so this principle of going, we reap more than we sow. And then lastly, just, just real quick, we can't do anything about last year's harvest but we can about this year's harvest. How do you handle it when last year's harvest didn't go so good? You messed up, you missed it, you failed. The tendency is to let that failure keep you down, and so because of that failure keeping you down, you're going, I'm not gonna sow into this next season. Church, let me tell you something. Maybe the most critical principle out of all of these principles is this spiritual principle when it comes to the harvest that we cannot do anything about last year's harvest, but we can about this year's harvest. Come on, amen? We can't go back and change what we did yesterday. I want you to hear this, because somebody's hanging on to yesterday. If I said, show your hands, you don't have to. If I said, show your hands, who's hanging on to yesterday? Hands would go up in this room. And yesterday could be a month from now, a month later. Yesterday could be a year. Yesterday could be 10 years. Some of you are holding this thing in your hands, and you're holding on to yesterday. Yesterday could have been that you failed as a father, or failed as a mother, failed as a husband, failed, failed as a wife. Yesterday, you could, you could fail as a friend. You could be hanging on to yesterday. But I want you to hear this. You cannot go back and change yesterday. For many of us, we struggle with letting go, forgetting the past, and reaching for for what's ahead because we cannot let go of yesterday. Let me just tell you one of my all-time is the first scripture verse that I ever remember, first scripture verse that I ever remember memorizing, and it says this in Philippians 3.12, not that I've obtained all this or have already achieved my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, I forget what is behind and I strain towards what is ahead. 
I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. You can't change your yesterday, but you can plant new seeds today. The band's going to come up. I'm going to leave you with this quote real quickly. Listen to what it says. There are two days in every week about which we should not worry. Two days which would be kept from fear and apprehension. One of these days is yesterday with its mistakes and cares, its aches and its pains, its faults and its blunders. Yesterday has passed forever beyond our control. All the money in the world cannot bring back yesterday. We cannot undo a single act we performed. We cannot erase a single word we said. Yesterday is gone. The other day we should not worry about is tomorrow with its, with its possible adversaries, its burdens, its large promise and poor performance. Tomorrow is beyond our immediate control. Tomorrow's sun will rise, either in splendor or behind a mask of clouds, but it will rise. Until it does, we have no stake in tomorrow, for it is yet unborn. That leaves only one day today. Listen. Any man or any woman, by the grace of God, can fight the battles of just one day. It is only when you and I add the burdens of those two awful eternities yesterday and tomorrow that we break down and lose sight of today. So let me put that in practical terms and we'll close out. Some of you have had bags of seeds in your pouch and you've been scattering seeds. Anger, unforgiveness, jealousy, rivalry, pride. You've been scattering seeds of thinking you're not good enough, failure, thinking that you've got to cling on to tomorrow, whatever. You've been scattering seeds like crazy. Every seed, man, that seems to come up, it just seems like it's just pressing against you, choking you out. And I believe that God is saying, get rid of that seed. That's not the seed that I planted in your heart. That's not the seed of, of, of thriving. That's the seed of trying to survive. I never gave you seeds to try to survive. I gave you seeds of thriving. I want to take the bags of seeds away from you, and I want you to begin to put in the ground. I want you to begin to sow into the ground seeds of hope and seeds of joy and love and compassion. I want you done with all those other things because you'll never change your situations with those seeds. But you can change. You can change today change right now if you start sowing the seeds that God has given you thanks for listening today if you want to find out how to get involved go to reliancecommunity.org